I wonder if you've ever felt shut out in life. I wonder if you've ever found yourself on the outside looking in, not invited to the party, not part of the in crowd, not feeling that you're welcome in a particular place or a particular environment. You may feel like that in some relationships in your life, that there's a distance between you and people that you know and you love. And somehow, in some of those groups, in some of those moments, you're on the outside looking in. The more tragic thought is that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, there can be moments where we feel like we're on the outside looking in. That in a relationship with God, we can feel distant, we may feel for all kinds of reasons that somehow we're not part of the in-crowd. It's almost like we're pressing our nose against the window and everybody else inside seems to really be connecting with God. And everybody around us is enjoying God and there's a sense of celebration and dancing, but it's like a plate glass window between us and them and we're on the outside looking in. That's how the psalmist felt in, in Psalm 84. This psalmist in Psalm 84 is a worship leader. He was familiar with the worship of the temple and he longs once more to be in that environment. Just listen to these words, you'll see them on the screen. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes I faint, with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar, O Lord, of heaven's armies, my King and my God. What joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those services. It's just, it's electric. It's amazing. And you just want to pick it up and carry it out with you. So you want to take it home, you want to be able to put it in your back pocket, and then tomorrow lunchtime, in your lunch break, you want to say, just let's pick it out and, and get in there again. Because you feel so often on the outside looking in. This guy so wants to be in that place of worship, he's envious of the sparrows and the swallows. And he's imagining that the birds have nested right up in the eaves of a building I'll talk to you about in a moment or two, right up in the eaves of the temple. And in an awesome and sacred place, they've built nests. And, and as everybody else is going about the temple worship, the, the swallows and the sparrows are singing and they're bringing up their young. And they're viewing everything because they're on the side looking out, but he's on the outside looking in. You see, for Jewish people, the temple in Jerusalem represented the very heartbeat of their faith. It was where God resided. It was the centre of what they believed, was not just the centre of their worship, but their identity. And you're going to see a picture now of the last building that stood on the Temple Mount as a place of Jewish worship, the Temple of Herod. And you'll see, if you can see in this diagram, this amazing construction, which was the place where Jesus would have gone to worship, the temple he would have taught at. It was a series of courts. So when the psalmist says, I long for the courts of the Lord, he's talking about this kind of place. And all the way around the outside was a place called the court of Gentiles. 
It was there that it's believed that Jesus found people selling and buying and selling sacrificial animals. And he turns it over and says, you know, this place should be a house of prayer. You've made a den of thieves and robbers. And then the next, through the beautiful gate, you'd go into the court of women. And in the court of women was where the rabbis would teach from the steps that led into the next court. But also around the edge of that court were what they called the trumpets. These were brass utensils all the way around where people put their offerings. And Jesus once saw a rich man go with a fistful of coins. And he drops his coins in this. And it was called the trumpet because as those coins descended down into that utensil, they made a racket. And then he heard the little ping of a a widow who drops a mite in and it goes ping. And Jesus says she's given more because she's given everything. He's given something. And then you would go up the steps into the next court, which was the court of Israel. And this was a corridor all around where Jewish men would stand and they would watch the sacrifices taking place in the next court, which was again just a little bit higher, the court of priests. And here, sacrifices were being offered, animals prepared and sacrificed. But then you would go up some steps and you had this building that you can see on that image. That was the holy place. And those large doors would open and inside there were some important parts of worship. The table of showbread, the the lamp that was always kept burning. And then the most holy place was the highest place beyond that, the final court. And that was separated, as I'm sure you know, by a humongous curtain. 80 feet or so high, 18 inches thick. And beyond there, for the Jew, was where God is. His presence hovering over the Ark of the Covenant. To the Jewish person, to the Hebrew, before Christ comes, the presence of God is inaccessible. It's frightening. It's awesome. Only one day a year in Yom Kippur, which is around about October in our calendar, the high priest, whose turn it was, would go into that most holy place with some blood to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the sins of the people. You know, I got thinking about that. I got thinking about that high priest didn't just wake up that morning and say, hey, I'm going into the Holy of Holies today. I think for days and weeks and months, the awesomeness of that responsibility weighed heavily upon him. He knew how important it was that the animal that was used to anoint parts of his body for his own cleansing was spotless. That, he would go, that the ceremonial washings he had to go through were perfectly done. Because after all, he was the guy going in there. You're okay. You're on the outside looking in. I'm going to be on the inside looking out. I'm going there on your behalf. Anecdotally, and it's not really sure that it's absolutely true, but it's suggested that when he went in, a rope was tied around his ankle. So just in case he dropped dead, nobody else would have to go in. they just pull him out. The inaccessible presence of God. You see, the problem with this temple is that there were no-go zones. At every point, there were restrictions and barriers according to aspects of who you were. If you're a Gentile, you could go onto the, the platform, the plaza that is the court of Gentiles, but you could not go through the beautiful gate into the court of women. That was a barrier of nationality. If you were Jewish, you could go into that place, but... If you were non-Jewish, that's a Gentile. In the Jewish world, there's only two nationalities, Jew and Gentile. 
and you couldn't go in. There was a barrier to you get into the presence of God. But of course, if you were a lady, you could go, a Jewish lady could go into the court of women, but she could not go through the Nicanor gate into the next court. That was a barrier of gender. She couldn't go to that next place because she was born a lady. And that was a, an aspect of her makeup that barred her from getting closer to God. I really want to be close to God, but in my culture, I'm a lady. I can't do that. But then Jewish men, they could go beyond that point, but they could not go into the next court, the court of Israel, because of their laity. They weren't of the particular tribe that were selected by God to be the priests who would offer the sacrifices. So all they were ever doing was on the outside looking in. They didn't engage in the act of sacrifice and worship. They just watched everybody else doing it. Does that sound a little bit like church to you? Of course, then there were the priests. They could do and be involved in that, but they could not go into the most holy place unless they were of a particular experience or they'd been selected. They'd been successful in the lottery of life and, and they'd come to a rank and to a position in their priestly role where they could go into the holy place. That was a barrier of ministry. They weren't of the class of ministry that they could do that. But you know, the final barrier was the barrier of humanity. You could not go beyond that curtain at any point. Only under the strict terms of how God decided you could go into his presence. And there were no go zones in the presence of God. There were no go zones that you couldn't go beyond barriers to you getting close to where God is. And I want to suggest to you today that so often there are barriers in our hearts and lives that exist that stop us really truly accessing the presence of God. And I'm not talking just about church meetings, which I've grown up, I've spent all my life in Pentecostal church meetings. Some of them I genuinely believed I experienced the presence of God. Some of them I managed to stay awake in and that was a miracle. But this is about how you connect to God. This is about your encounter. This is about you and him because we have a really, really important lesson to learn about the presence of God. And I wonder whether tonight you feel remote. Whether somehow you feel on the outside looking in. You feel there's barriers in the way. You're saying to yourself, I'm just a young Christian. My barriers, I'm inexperienced. I'm new to all this. You all seem balmy to me. But for some people, it's another barrier. It says, I don't know enough about God. I've been on this journey a long time, but I don't know my Leviticus from my Jonah. I've never even dared to go into the Old Testament. I stick to the Gospels because I don't know much, but I'll just stick there. I don't know enough. I've got a barrier of a lack of knowledge. Some would say, I'm not good enough. There's areas of guilt in my life that you wouldn't know about. For some, they'd say, I'm, I feel ashamed. I've made too many mistakes. Some people say, I'm, I'm not as spiritual as Pastor Leon. I don't pray as much as he prays, clearly. Others, others would say, I've got a very messy life. There's just too much baggage in my journey. Well, hey, folks, I've come tonight to give you some really good news. God has given to you and access all areas past to his presence. 
Do you know the wonderful thing? We got home from the celebration at BCC on Sunday evening. And I suppose like many of you, I'm not one to really watch pop concerts. But I was drawn to, obviously, to put the BBC on and to, to watch that concert. And then I heard yesterday that Justin Bieber had said something really powerful after his song. So when I got home yesterday, Andrew and I had our tea and we sat down. And I, I got to the part on the TV where it was and we watched it and... Hey, you know what? So many thousand people were on the outside looking in. But what happens if you'd got the opportunity to go backstage and see Chris Martin or Liam Gallagher? And that wouldn't be my choice, I must be honest with you, but there you go. Or Ariana Grande, who I'd not heard of until two weeks ago. That's how raw I am. Because you get to go backstage. You get to go behind the scenes. You don't just get to be on the outside looking in. You don't just get to sing, you get to sit with the one you're singing to. You get access to his presence every second of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year of your life. You get in on this, you've got this special access, all areas pass. I, I took it out of my pocket earlier, but I've got a badge that, that from, from our headquarters down in Malvern. It will open every door in the building. Well, apart from the locks on the offices but I can get anywhere I want to go in the building because it's an access all areas pass I want you to know tonight that Jesus through his wonderful wonderful work on the cross has given every single one of you whether you came to Christ half an hour ago or half a century ago a wonderful access all areas pass there are no barriers between you and God and he calls us to come to him and Jesus enters into our world and he breaks down all of those religious barriers. I'm reading through Luke's gospel at the moment. I was reading Luke 20 this morning and it just seems to me that Jesus was out to antagonize those religious leaders. And they were asking him questions to try to trap him. And as that's happening, he's in the temple. It's a week before he lays down his life. But here's Jesus breaking down all those barriers and saying to you and to me, I know you don't feel good enough. I know you don't feel holy enough and experienced enough and knowledgeable enough, but come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for, for I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest. It says of Jesus and the disciples, he called them that they might be with him. And he breaks all that down. He says, God's no longer remote. If you want to see the Father, look at me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus radically shakes up the religious institutions of his day and says, you know what? There's no more barriers. And Paul picks up that theme in, in the New Testament when he writes to the church at Corinth. He says, you know what? He says in, actually, he says in Acts 17 to the church, to the believers on the Areopagus or those in in Greece, he says, you know what, God doesn't dwell in temples made by human hands. He writes to Corinth and says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, the great news is, you can take home tonight everything you've experienced. Because it's your life that replaces this temple. We don't need a building and a construction. We are the temple that God has built. He's come and lived in us by his Holy Spirit. And so our search for God is an inner one. And as much as it's great to gather together, and I believe in gathered community and gathered worship, you know what? Every day of this week, you can search for the presence of God in your heart. You'll find him. 
you'll find him because he's within you. For me, being a Pentecostal is not about speaking in tongues so much as living every day knowing God the Spirit is alive and at work inside of me. So, you know, when you're in work tomorrow and you wish you were back in church, you are. Because you're carrying the very presence of God where you are. If you can genuinely believe that. I want to read to you a few words and they'll be on the screen. That are some of my most favourite words in all of the New Testament. And they pick up this theme of the temple. It's in Hebrews 10. And here we read these words. And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly, without wavering, to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. See, it's because Jesus came that we can experience God for ourselves. I just want to give you four quick things. And they are quick. I'm nearly through what I want to say to you in a moment. But four quick things. Practical things I want you to see are so important. According to this passage about how we approach God, we approach God with confidence. In other words, take the first step. That's what confidence is. When I saw that stool, I wondered would it hold my somewhat expanding weight. But I had the confidence to trust that Leon would not let me down. (laughs) There might be a moment, but not tonight of all nights. And I took the first step. You know, when you come to God's presence, confidence says, God, I don't feel great. I don't feel good. I don't feel right before you. But then you never said it was about feelings. Confidence is faith that says, I step into the promise that is mine and it's all because of Jesus. And your confidence is displayed by the first step you take. And you can do that. But hey, when you step in, step in with humility. Acknowledge Jesus. We wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for him. We'd never have met, really. Our journeys wouldn't have collided. Our stories wouldn't have exploded in celebration with one another. It's all about Jesus. We need to remember what it cost us so great that Jane and Dan did that song that we, just before we came together to, to declare what God has done because our encounter is all because of Jesus. In the New International Version of that passage, it tells us that He is the curtain that we pass through. When I was growing up, I grew up in in a kneeling church. I won't sing to you tonight, I'm a bit hoarse. But we used to sing a little song that says, Within the veil I now do come into the holy place to look upon his face. I see such beauty there, none other can compare. I worship you, my God, within the veil. There's no room beyond the veil just for curiosity, only worship. It's not about going for an experience, it's about worship. It's not going just to to get a sight of Jesus, it's going to kneel at his feet. 
And then two more things. It's about sincerity. In other words, don't hide your stuff. I don't know if you know where this word sincerity came from, but in the Greek language, because I'm quite an expert in Greek, I know a little Greek. He's got a chip shop just round the corner from our house. Boom, I needed you there, Andy, sorry. But in the Greek, sincerity means without wax. And it refers to the time when, when Greek idol makers would make little idols to sell out of, out of marble. And sometimes they'd make a mistake and there'd be a little flaw in them, maybe a little chip or a little crack. But they didn't want to waste that marble. They wanted to sell it on. So they would rub wax into it. And of course, wax in, in white marble would just hide itself in until somebody took the little idol home and put it on the, the window of their home and that strong, glorious Greek sunshine would stream through and all of a sudden, the wax would melt. And you'd see the idol, sincere, without wax, just as it is. Take your stuff. You can take your stuff into the presence of God. In fact, it's the best place to take your stuff. If I hadn't been able to take my stuff into the presence of God, I'd be so messed up. If it hadn't been that I'd learned on my journey, I can carry the rubbish and the junk and the stuff of life. And there worship him. That's been my salvation in knowing Jesus. But the final thing, before I paint one more picture of the temple, is you can go in with assurance. In other words, believe it. It's true. It's true. It works. And if it's true for me, I can guarantee it's true for you. If all this works in my life, I'm absolutely certain it works in your life. Because you don't know the mess sometimes in my life. Celebrate what God has done. Step into his presence. Get close to him. I need to paint one more picture that means the world to me. And it's where in Mark's Gospel, Mark 15, the Bible tells us with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. As you saw earlier in that image, the temple was a very tall building. That veil, that curtain was an awesome thing. And can you imagine, just as Jesus is hanging on the cross, they're preparing for Passover. This is Friday afternoon, and Passover will begin when the sun sets that Friday. It is one of the four great festivals in the Jewish calendar. Thousands upon thousands of pilgrims have travelled to Jerusalem for the Passover. And as Jesus hangs on the cross and it's dark, all of a sudden panic ensues in the temple. Because this curtain that's protected them from the awesome, frightening, intimidating presence of God tears. And there must have been wild panic there. And I know this factually. It has to be true. Because until AD 70, some 35 years or so later maybe, they continued to worship in the temple till the Romans had had enough of the Jews and they destroyed the temple and within a few years they were out of Palestine and they'd gone. They continued to worship in that place. So therefore, on that day, they must have either repaired or replaced the curtain. 
And in the temple building itself, there were some rooms where fabrics, spare fabrics were, were kept and where the ladies would be weaving new fabrics to design the place. And in their panic, they must have repaired or replaced that curtain that God tore. So God says, I am demonstrating in tangible terms, you can come into my presence. Why? Because Jesus had just shouted from the cross, it is finished. The debt is paid. And if you access me, if you come for my forgiveness, then there is no barrier on this planet that can stop you engaging in my presence. And I want to say to you tonight, Jesus did that for you. But we spend time repairing and replacing the veils and the barriers in our lives. We believe the enemy's lies when we, we make mistakes. Of course we're going to sin. Because we're, we're broken, imperfect people in our, in our body makeup and our, in, our intellect and our emotions. We, we are being saved. We're being perfected by the work of the Spirit in our lives. And boy, does he have some work to do in some of us. I mean, just look at the person next to you and you'll know how hard a job that's going to be for him. But you know, we need to be able to say today, there is no barrier on this planet that can keep us from the presence of God. And you may be very new to walking with Jesus. I want to say to you today, he loves you. And he loves spending time with you. And I've learned that sometimes I don't, I'm a, I'm a bit of a talker. I love talking. I've got plenty to say usually. Probably more to say than Amanda most of the time. But I've learned that when I'm with God, sometimes he doesn't want me to talk. He wants me to be there with him. Probably because it's far more important that he talks to me. And I talk to him. He knows what I need before I even ask. And I want you to know tonight that you have an access all areas past. And God the Holy Spirit is living in your life to take you by the hand every day and say, let's walk with Jesus together. Jane and Dan and the band are going to come back and we're going to spend some moments to just invite the Holy Spirit to work afresh in our heart. I pray tonight you'll be able to put to one side any of those barriers, those obstacles that have got in the way so that you can have some degree of confidence you might not have had for quite a while that you can experience the presence of God in your life. And I love coming and worshipping with you and each time Amanda and I come, we really sense the presence of God. But you know, I sense the presence of God every morning driving from South Birmingham to Malvern. Sometimes it doesn't matter then if I'm out of tune, if my harmonies don't quite fit. I think I've got amazing harmonies. As my friends would say, they don't always fit. But what really matters is every place can be a place I can encounter His presence. I want you just to, to tune in to the presence of God for a moment. Because this song says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. But we really need to understand what here means tonight. Of course, it's, it's here. It's in Owen House. It's here in Hales Owen. But it's here. It's my life. It's the temple that God has constructed in my heart and my life. As the guys lead us in this song, why don't you just tune into the presence of God? 
I'm certainly not going to linger this point but do that out of respect for, the, for our time tonight that be for Leon to decide how we go but I do really want to encourage you in these moments let's just begin to tune in just as they're playing for us why don't you right across this room make a decision in your heart and your life there's no barrier that's going to stop me no hindrance no words of the enemy no sense of low self-esteem or regret or disappointment Jesus carried all of our sin and all of our pain to the cross and he, he hung there and he shouted it's finished it's there for you there's nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare your my living hope your presence